Well, welcome to the 3ND Podcast. Uh, my name is Sean Coleman, uh, joined by uh, Justin Lewis. Y'all probably know that by now. And uh, it's good to uh, uh, good to spend time with y'all again uh, discussing the Grizzlies. It seems like uh, it's, uh, I don't know, man, this is probably the happiest I've been since we started back up this podcast with the Grizzlies. H- how are you feeling about the about the Grizzlies tonight, Justin? I mean, I'd be I'd be happier if we were going to get a top lottery pick or 100% sure that we were going to convey. But uh, the team's fun to watch, and it's um, it's one of those things where even though it's a lost season, uh, there's something to look forward to each game and and have fun watching them. No, I I do agree that that's that's the whole point about it. It's uh, it's it's been uh, it's been enjoyable to see. Um, Obviously, uh, we, we thank y'all for joining us. I do know on Twitter you can follow us at uh, 3ND Pod. You can follow myself at StatsSAC and Justin at J underscore Timberfake underscore. So, uh, really going to dive deep into um, the, the, the three games since the last time we talked, uh, what seems to be happening. And, and I want to give my partner a shout out here. Uh, Justin has been on record on this podcast. He has mentioned uh, some things that he would like to see. and Several of them ha- have occurred, uh, but what we're going to get started off with first is, you know, the thing everybody's talking about from Tuesday night, you know, Conley's 40-point um, outburst, you know, it was great to see. It was a career high. Justin, just get straight to the point, was that the best offensive performance you've seen um, in the time that you've been watching the Grizzlies from Conley? Was that the best offensive performance you've ever seen him put on? Uh, from Conley? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's you can say it's a no-brainer to say it's the best because it was a career high in points, but the efficiency that he did it, uh, he went six for seven from three, and I think he shot like sixty-seven percent overall in the game. Um, obviously, you'd like him to to not miss five free throws, uh, but it was definitely uh, a spectacle to watch. And the thing that I'll say is is that it just it, the efficiency of the team as a whole. I mean, I believe that we scored thirty-six points in the fourth quarter. And the thing about it is, is that the big thing that I've taken away from, from uh, talking with people about it, saying it different places, we beat one of the NBA's best offensive teams at their own game. And that was crazy. But, but want to get to another point that before Conley took over to seal the victory really kept us in the game, despite Portland matching us efficiency wise on their end, Regular Grizzlies killer C.J. McCollum was making shot after shot after shot. But the Grizzlies had an answer in Mr. Jonas Valanciunas. And and last week, you stated one of the things you wanted to see was Jonas Valanciunas become the second true option, become the guy who takes the most shots, maybe if not in a game, down the stretch. And and that occurred. Were you pleased to see that um, transition in offensive philosophy down the stretch, Justin? Um. It still wasn't, you know, what I've been calling for. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he was actually the fifth highest shot taker in the game. Um, I'm pulling up the stats right now from the game, uh, the box score. Uh, let's see. Bradley took 14 shots. Conley took 18. Um, Joakim Noah took 11. Dylan Wright took 13. And Jonas took seven, but he went, and that's the thing that blows my mind is, is Jonas was was six for seven. Like, why are we not um, feeding him and feeding him? Like, he only played twenty one minutes on, on top of that behind 
Noah's 26, and, and I get that Noah just brings this energy, but Noah was 4 for 11. Um, I still want to see more out of making him uh, a focus. I think they, again, they came out and attacked early with him. Um, I don't know if it was a matchup deal where maybe he didn't feel comfortable against Nurkic or um, Nurkic was playing good defense on him. But, I mean, I'm looking at one for one from three, six for seven from the field, and four for four from the free throw line. Like, you can't get much more efficient than that. So why aren't we going to him for those 13 to 14 um, shots? Like, I'd rather see him take 11 shots than Joe Kim Noah. No, I completely agree. And and I don't care how hot anybody is. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you go with the most proven source of success when you need it. And, and you're correct. You are you are correct that it, it doesn't make any sense, especially with the fact that coming off the game against Oklahoma City, Valanchun has had his way at times with probably the most prominent physical defensive presence of the game in Steven Adams. But the thing that I, I was kind of impressed by, at the very least, was when it mattered, in my opinion, they got it right. While he did take only seven shots, the other thing to consider is is that he did have um, several free throws um, at the end of the game. But all four of his free throws, um, I think that you mentioned, they were in the fourth quarter. And when C.J. McCollum, when we were going back and forth as we got into triple digits, it was Jonas Valanciunas answering the call. So while they did get it right at the end of the game, I do agree with you um, that they certainly need to make it to where he's taking 15 shots a night. There's no reason why that that should not be the case. Um, the other thing that you had mentioned, getting C.J. Miles on the court more, and, and, and that's what the Grizzlies did. They did it at the end of the game, and C.J.'s veteran presence made a difference. It wasn't the scoring. It was the block. It was the assist. He played some decent defense. Were you happy to see the lineup that the Grizzlies went with at the end of the game uh, to close out the victory against um, Portland? Yeah, so uh, I think it might have been last episode when you asked me what I wanted to see going forward. I called for a very specific lineup, and I, I said I want to see more of Wright, Conley, Bradley, Miles, and then one of Noah or Valanciunas get more run together. And that's exactly what happened at the end of the game. They they ran those four guys out with, with Noah and Valanciunas and switched those two guys out. But it what it does is when you've got Conley that's on fire like that, you instead of running Rab and Valanciunas or Rab and Noah or Noah and Valanciunas, um, you you're running somebody that spreads the floor, opening up the paint for Conley to probe in there and hit that patented floater or, or kick it out to guys. Uh, so you kick it out, you kick it out to um, Bradley or or Miles or Wright who can knock down a three, or if Wright's the one probing and getting in the paint, he can kick it out to Miles and and Bradley and Conley, um, great spot up three point shooters. So I was very pleased that Mile was 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 in the game at the end, um, and that's, that's that lineup, that small ball lineup with Conley, Bradley, and Wright, is what brought the Grizzlies back in the game when they got down big early. And that's the thing about it is that you know I had mentioned last week that you know one thing about it is is that I wanted to see I wanted to see that the Grizzlies, you know, they clearly got it right, in my opinion, when it came to the trade deadline. They clearly got it right when it came to making the offense better. One thing they didn't bank on was that, you know, um, Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. was um, that they would be injured. They thought that they would have Anderson and Jaron Jackson to be able to anchor the defense. But if the defense itself is not a strength, 
anymore. If it's something that is taking time to come together, as you mentioned, I do applaud the coaching staff for making adjustments, going with matchups, getting specific. Here's the thing. I'm not saying anything. They've, they've already dug their hole, in my opinion. They, 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 uh, the, the coaching staff, to me, is beyond saving. We need to go a different direction long term. But right now, it seems like J.B. Bickerstaff is more comfortable with this type of lineup. He's, he, he seems to be more encouraged with being able to actually you know, play matchups and, and you know, make adjustments. Do you get that sense? I mean, has J.B. done a better job of putting the Grizzlies in a position to compete and win with the lineup that he has? Do you feel it's more a byproduct of J.B. actually putting effort forward or just the fact that he's got these pieces in place? I think a lot of it is um, with Jaron and Kyle down. Um, he, he he didn't have much of an option to to run the guys out there, um, and it, it may be a push from the front office. Hey, we want to look at these guys. We need to play them. Um, and but I, I do say uh, to give JB some credit, his rotations have looked significantly better. Um, he he closed the game with a great lineup uh, based on matchups because the uh, the Trailblazers run out for Camino, uh, Camino at the four, um, and so there would be no point to have Rab, Rab out there. C.J. Miles is a great guy to have out there um, to match up with him, and so it it looked as if um, he he did the right thing rotationally, probably pretty much throughout the whole game in the last few games. Um, but I think it's more of a product of um, he may not have much of a choice. And and that brings up a good point. I mean, you know, it, uh, that's why I'm saying while it is a better situation, it seems it seems like the franchise kind of has made it to where JB uh, just basically you know doesn't have a choice. So 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 I do agree with you. Um, so so great victory um, over the Trailblazers. And, and and Justin, I think another thing that really starts to come into picture here is that, you know, obviously we, we were starting to get closer and closer uh, to where, you know, we're, we're down now to nearly a month left in the season. Um, I believe 18 games left uh, to go. But the good thing about that victory over the Trailblazers is that, okay, you had the inexplicable loss to the um, Cavaliers right after the All-Star break. Now you've had the unexpected win against the Trailblazers. The Grizzlies have to keep this going to be able to really have a chance to convey. Um, do you feel that this will be a opportunity for the Grizzlies to kind of use as a launching pad to really bolster their chances going forward? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's just coming down to um, – I mean, think about it. The last couple of nights we've had one to two guys, Chandler Parsons and Ivan Rabb, that were on this roster last week playing. That's it. Those two guys. And so it's 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 a lot of these guys just don't know each other's game. They don't know where each other's comfortable, um, communicating defensively, what each other's capable of. Um, and I think they're finally getting in the flow of, of getting familiar with their teammates um, and beating a team in Portland um, that Kenny Smith on TNT – said today that he thinks he's going to the NBA Finals out of the Western Conference, uh, which is a little crazy, but they are a very complete team. Um, adding uh, Cantor to their roster is a huge, huge pickup for them. And so to get that win over a, that caliber of a team, um, you know, looking at the schedule going ahead, you got the Magic and the and the Hawks and the Wizards and, and uh, the Jazz coming up. And three of those four games, 
should be easy wins. Uh, I mean, it looks like we're heading towards um, conveying, um, but, you know, last week we were saying that we weren't, so you never know with this Grizzlies team what they're going to do because, like you said, they lost to the Cavaliers. We lost to the Bulls, but we turn around, we we beat the Lakers, and we beat the Trailblazers. Um, but it looks like everybody's beating the Lakers right now. Um, but, yeah, it's very encouraging. I think the guys are, are, are meshing very well right now. And, and and I I agree and and you know I I talked um with the uh, with Joe Mullinax um uh, earlier yesterday and you know he brought up a very good point you know it, it there everybody right now has a reason to be playing good you know and that's why you know I've mentioned a few times you know as a fan or as someone that writes about the Grizzlies to really be able to embrace this sometimes you've got to shift your focus if you look at the Grizzlies at a t- as a team it's hard to get excited you see how much they struggle you know that the team doesn't want their first round pick this year there's not a lot of room for positivity but if you shift your focus to the players you realize how Conley how good Conley's playing this year you realize there's a bunch of players that really are taking advantage of their opportunity and you also get excited in realizing that the Grizzlies are playing a style of ball they haven't played in a while there is reason to be excited. And so, Justin, I'll ask you this question, kind of like I asked you on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You know, if we're having fun right now watching this team play, does it mean that the Grizzlies should implement a more offensively focused um, philosophy as, as an organization going forward? You know, I, why why do there have to be – an offensive identity or a defensive identity. I mean, obviously nobody can be the, the Golden State Warriors, but when the Golden State Warriors were at the peak, not only were they a great offensive team, but they were a great defensive team. I think what it comes down to is is just catching up with the rest of the NBA. Like grit and grind is clearly not going to work anymore, and it's it's it works in the past and it's fun and it's great to try to bring it back. It's just it was obvious that it, it wasn't happening. I think. Going forward, I think you need to construct a roster that looks similar to what we're looking at right now, where you have the ability to to put four four guys out there and and play small ball and um, build around Jaron and and even Mike. Um, hopefully, you can bring back Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Wright because Wright's been balling out the last couple of games. Um, but I, I wouldn't focus on hey, let's be an offensive team or let's be a defensive team. I'd say hey, let's build the best roster possible where uh, we can be. Um, as efficient as as we can on both sides of the ball. And that's a very good point. You know, when you don't have uh, much to, uh, um, you know, go with in the first place, um, it certainly is something that, uh, uh, that you just, you just want to get the best talent available. And, and so it, it makes perfect sense uh, to really look into it. Um, wanted to get a couple more um, ideas out there to you, Justin, you know, we're seeing, you know, these new players in place, that have, um, you know, started to really gel. They've started to be able to show um, that they could have a place on this team for the future. Another player that does have a place, at least for next year, is uh, Bruno Caboclo. Uh, We know that he is going to be here through next year. He's likely a bench piece. I do think that he's starting to get more comfortable. But also on that same end, there's not really been – maybe a lack of opportunity. It may just be how he is as a player. There's not really been that, that step forward now that he's gotten, you know, the, the confidence in knowing that he, he's secure in what he's got. Um, 
do you think this is kind of what we're going to see from Bruno? Or do you think that, you know, we'll start to see here soon him take that step forward um, to where, you know, he can clearly be a two-way player that he has the potential to be? Man, I think this is the same question that Toronto was asking when they when they drafted the kid. Um, when the question is just like, is he? Will he? When will he? Um, you know, the whole joke that he's two years away from being two years away. It's just like you see the potential there. You see um, just you know, what if he could figure it out? Um, I do agree with you that he is looking more comfortable because he's actually driving. Um, to the basket rather than just spotting up and shooting three different times the ball touches his hand. Um, and in the, the Dallas game, he actually led the team in rebounds and assists with 11 rebounds and six assists. Now, a lot of that was, you know, garbage time because we won by 30. But it shows right there that in a in a basketball game, because even in garbage time in the NBA, you're not playing against a bunch of scrubs. And these are NBA players. He can, he can be productive. I, I think it's just um, – this summer is going to be huge for him. Uh, what can we do to develop his game? How hard will he work um, to develop his game? Um, he needs to put some weight on in his body. He's got a, a, a Greek freak build, uh, not a Greek freak game, uh, obviously, but he's got the the build uh, of Giannis. Um, we'd like to, I'd like to see him be more aggressive driving to the hole and, and using that frame and using that length. But I, I, I do think that there's a chance that this season we – we give him an opportunity to, to be featured. Um, I, we're just waiting on that Bruno game, you know, where we're like, this is it. This is the kid that we know we can get out of him. But right now it's just kind of inconsistency, whether that's from discomfort or just lack of talent. Like n- nobody knows. He is such an enigma. Um, I'm glad we took a chance on him, but is this all we're going to get? It's, you know, it's the question of the year. And I think it also kind of goes back to the player itself. You know, you bring up a good point. You know, if right now we're asking the same questions when he's 23, that was being asked back in 2014 when he was 18. You know, that's five years of proof right there. And, and to be honest with you, coming from an obviously better setup in Toronto at developing talent when you see some of the players that they're able to make productive to now coming to a team with the Grizzlies who – yeah, you may see changes, but it's not the best breeding ground for development. I mean, you know, that's something that you have to consider when it comes to Bruno. But the thing is, is that, like you said, you need to get the best talent available any way you can. So that definitely leads, you know, to, to you know, taking chances when you have to. And Justin, I'll expand on it a little bit. You know, as the Grizzlies continue to build their roster, um, something I've talked about a little bit is building a bench and that we've got some good pieces there. But how do you equate success in the G League to success in the NBA? And I'm not talking about like clear draft picks who are playing in the G League, but do you feel that is is there a clear way for um, a team to be able to pick out a player and just know that he is going to be something productive in the NBA, or is it is it just still luck of the draw, no matter how productive they are in the G League? I, th- I think it's still luck of the draw in, in the G League. Um, I mean, they're all every, obviously every guy in the G League is playing the hard as hard as they possibly can because they're all trying to fight for the same thing and get to the league to so the competition level. Um, it, it's obviously high, but the talent level is just not near as high. Um, like Dusty Hannons for the for the the Memphis Hustle puts up numbers, but nobody believed that he could do it in the NBA. 
um, Jimmer is an example. Like he know he's over overseas playing and he's putting up you know forty points a night, but he can't do it in the NBA. So um, I think it's all just finding a diamond in the rough. I think it's worth taking shots on guys out of the G League. Um, that, that look like maybe you could develop them. Maybe there's something that you see that the G League team's not doing or you, you find a, a role for a guy. Um, but there's not been too terribly many guys that have uh, come from the G League uh, and made a name for themselves yet. Um, maybe it could happen down the road, but right now I think it's um, it's a, it's a crapshoot. And that's, that's what it comes down to. And I asked about the G League due to the fact that um, another thing that has come out here recently, we talked a little bit about it um, a few weeks ago, was the the 25 um, under 25, um, and, and that you know Jaron was on the list, but you know all five, all of the other four draft picks that were um, on that list, they had they were they were on the top 25 under 25 as well. They have teammates on there trying to figure out how the Grizzlies might be able to go about getting a player. Um, on that list as well, along with Jaron. And I mean, you know, I, Joe Molnax had mentioned restricted free agency, but at the end of the day, I, I just, it does not seem likely that if we don't have a pick next year um, or the year after that, that we really get that type of talent. I mean, Justin, do, do you have a preferred way of getting young talent Um Besides the draft, like for instance, if the draft, if the if we do convey this year, we obviously don't. We have the pick next year. But do you see an avenue to significant young talent over the next year if we don't have a draft pick? I think you've got one option. If if we convey and you want to get, we obviously you got two options. Um, but the, the one that I'm going to refer to is trading Mike Conley. Okay. Um, if if Dylan Wright. Um, proves that he can be a, a point guard in a season of transition for this team, uh, moving uh, moving younger, starting to build around Jaron. Um, I mean, the way that he's played the last two games, uh, if, I like what I see. Um, he's obviously never going to be Mike Conley and what he's what he's done for this franchise. But the only way this season, I think that you're going to get a true um, top 25 under 25 guy outside of the draft. Um, restricted free agent will be tough. Uh, I think trading Mike Conley uh, is about the only way you're going to be able to get that guy. And I think especially if you put your focus maybe towards that second week of July, the the the, the uh, um, you know that that's that's what it comes down to. The reason I mentioned the second week of July, you know, if if teams miss out on their free agents. Um, you know, coming in right after that and getting them while they missed out on their options, that may seem like a good opportunity, but then that also has risk. What if there's a great offer on the table come draft night and you pass out on you pass up on that? Now, this isn't that good of a draft, but you know, again, there's risk and reward depending on, you know, which way you go. But but speaking of draft night, you know, the the as we um kind of uh, get to the end uh, of this week's show. One thing I really wanted to focus on was the upcoming schedule, Justin. You know, we do play the Jazz um, uh, you know, Friday tonight. Um, uh, we play them uh, here in Memphis. But after that, 
We've played the Magic. They they come to Memphis on Sunday. Then we go to Atlanta on Wednesday. We play the at Washington um, a, a week from Saturday. We've got the Rockets, but then we have the Magic again. So four out of the next six games, we've got team. We're playing three teams total that are right there in the mix of of, of that a back end of the top ten. This right here seems to be the stretch. If we can go three and one, maybe four and zero oh against those teams, then I think that the the chances shift a little bit to where we've got a legitimate shot. Do you feel the same way in terms of our ability to convey if we have success over this next six game stretch? So uh, even looking past that, um, for the importance of that stretch that you brought up. Um, after them, you you got the Suns once, Dallas twice. That's it. Like if you don't go uh, three and one, four and zero oh, against uh, Orlando, Atlanta, Washington, Orlando again, you're in danger of not conveying, uh, and that's that's not what we want to do this season. So this this upcoming stretch is is huge. But you know, I wouldn't be shocked that we if, if we beat the Jazz on Friday and then lose to the Magic on Sunday. That, that's just what the Grizzlies do. Um, you know, we, we may beat Minnesota at home. Um, we may beat the Clippers. We may beat um, the Pistons. So, like, there's these, these teams out there that are that are fringe coming up. But this, this stretch, when we've got momentum coming off of beating Portland um, and beating the, the Mavericks by 30 uh, and then barely losing to – um, the the Thunder when you didn't have Mike Conley, this is this is huge, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility the team could go uh, five and one or six and zero oh in this in this stretch because what's happening right now with the Grizzlies is that they are being slept on. Um, so the Rockets may come in um, and, and looking past Memphis saying, "Oh, we got this." The, I don't I don't believe the Rockets have seen this new look Grizzlies team I'm going back to look right now. Um, they haven't. They they have not seen this new new group of guys, and so they're going to have to um, come into Memphis and beat this team. I think there's a, a possibility that I'll even go we'll go to the next ten games. Next ten games, I bet you we could go seven and three. And that's the thing about it. You've also got things to consider. Some teams may start getting ready for the playoffs. They may rest players. You know, they may really look, uh, you know, to, to, to try new schemes. And, and you're right. You know, the Grizzlies could have some things that favor them. And plus, you may also see a few other teams like the Pelicans, um, you know, uh, start to try to tank more themselves just to get in a better opportunity. Um, the Lakers, I, I, don't, I don't think we're going to catch the, the Lakers are going to catch us or anything. But I'm just giving an example of teams that could start to to start they they could start trying to play worse you know you don't want to say that but but I, I think there are the Grizzlies need to control what they can control but if they do that I think there's other things outside of their control that for once um, will fall into place Justin I want to shift gears a little bit and not even focus on the Grizzlies but um in your Career, you know, Ed, Ed, I know that you're you're uh, you've moved. Obviously, you've started a new opportunity, but you have experience of working uh, with today's youth and, and young ladies, young gentlemen, and things like that. And I bring that up because um, Adam Silver, Commissioner of the NBA, he had some really interesting comments with Bill Simmons uh, the other day in regards to young players in the NBA. These players who 
now all of a sudden they have all this money, all this fame, but yet he still says they are unhappy. And a big reason why is social media and the isolation that comes from it. It makes sense. Their fame, their support, where they get their happiness from is artificial because it's done through social media. It's not done through interaction anymore. From your experience, I mean, do you see that? Do you feel that that is a valid, valid point that, you know, basically a lot of people probably didn't have any idea was true? Yeah. Uh, um, social media is very much, um, if it, it can be used in a positive manner. It can be it can be used for good things, um, staying in touch with, with loved ones when you're separated, um, you know, that kind of stuff. But social media can very much be a cancer. Um, I, just from, I'll give you an example. My, my cousin Cody Reed plays for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, and he, he actually at one point deleted his Twitter, um, because he was so caught up and concerned about what every, um, person behind their phone had to say about his performance, um, that night. Cause in the early part of his career, he struggled. Um, and he was a, a second round draft pick. He was a, he was a featured piece in a, in a big trade that sent Johnny Cueto to the Kansas City Royals. Um, and the people just had something negative to say, even when he performed well. Um, and he got so, um, consumed, uh, by that, that he realized just the, the negativity that it brought and he ended up deleting it. And matter of fact, I believe the next season was a season that he, um, got his call up to the big leagues and, and, and did well. Um, but what I see is, is a lot of people seeking validation from social media, uh, where, um, we were as human beings never designed to, to receive our validation from other human beings. Um, you know, obviously in my line of work, um, happiness is, um, is not something that we're going to really find, um, in the world because there's all these offers out there that, that the world tells us can, can make us happy and, and they present all these options and we go to one and it makes us happy for a little while. And then uh, we get bored with it and look for something else. And then the, the cycle repeats itself. We just, we find ourselves just constantly doing that. And you get discouraged when the validation doesn't come from where you're seeking it. And then, like you said, the isolation happens and you're just like, you know what, I'm just going to, just going to pull back. And then isolation leads to depression. And um, it is a, it's a scary trend. Um, because today's youth, today's young people are the most depressed and anxious uh, generation of all time. Um, and I think it's very much to do uh, with social media and smartphones and the accessibility uh, of those things. And uh, these young guys, man, they just need to worry about playing ball, doing their job and not caring what um, all these people with uh, Twitter fingers are saying. And, and and that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is that, you know, you bring up a very good point. You, you, you don't know. Um, you see these athletes, they're in the front of the camera, they're in front of the microphone, um, you know, 24 seven, but you know, they do have private lives as well. And you don't know all the stuff that they see. They, they see the, all this negative stuff. You know, I don't have, you know, uh, thousands of people tweeting negative things to me after a big game. So I don't know what they feel like, but I can imagine that it, it does wear on you. It, it becomes a, a, a something that is relevant in your mind. And when that happens, um, it, it can, 
you know, the mind is a very fragile thing. A lot of people don't realize that, but it can quickly, your, your ability to perceive things can quickly change if you interact, if you interact with certain sources in your environment. And if, if you're as prominent in social media as some of these players are, um, it, it definitely can um, uh, really change your perception of things. And it can go from, from being a positive uh, to certainly being a negative. Well, basically, that's going to wrap us up. Justin, do you have anything to, to end with? I Like I say, I know that we are um, uh, going through a stretch of games that, you know, like we just stated, we need to win. Uh, we need to really focus on trying to um, continue to play as we are. Last week, you mentioned that you thought that the, uh, you know, defense was going to get better. We needed to feature Valanciunas. There was a lot of correct points that you said that came to fruition Anything that you see in this upcoming schedule of games until we talk again that you're really hoping to see the Grizzlies put a focus on to further improve their chances to to, to get some victories? Um, yeah, that's, that's no pressure at all. Um, <laughs> these things come to fruition and me trying to <laughs> say something <laughs> else that might happen. Um, now, what, I guess what I would be looking for, especially when you're playing like the Magic and the Hawks, um, is getting some of our younger guys some run. Um, in those games, um, and, and seeing what what they can do. Um, obviously, when you're playing the Jazz and you're playing the Rockets, you're and you're trying to win those games. Your your rotations probably should be a little bit tighter. Um, uh, but when you got the Magic and the Hawks and um, the Wizards who are struggling teams, getting guys um like Javon Carter, um, more run. And I'd like to see like let's bring up Julian Washburn or um, sign Utah to a rest of the year contract or something. Um, and, and let these young guys um, get out there and, and get some run and maybe even feature um, Devin Wright a little bit more as, as he's been playing well and, and seeing what he can do as a guy who's leading the team and that might play more off ball than he, than he has. Um, but I still want to see Jonas finish a game with his second most shot attempts. That's all I'm asking is that Jonas ends second in shots behind Mike Conley just one time in the next in the next week, once. And, and yeah, and, and and that was that you know that's that's what I'll end with as well is that that that's that that's the joy of having a Jonas Valanciunas in here. Uh, you've got that inside presence, and so if you can mix and match his dominance inside with our ability to now shoot outside, give them different looks. It's like in football when you can set up the pass with their, or use the run to set up the pass or and vice versa. You know, giving different looks a lot of times is the simple way uh, to really be able to, to have effectiveness. Can't thank you all enough for joining us. Um, I did great talking with you again, Justin. Uh, next week, I, I think that we're probably going to expand um, our, our, our widen our focus a little bit from the Grizzlies to the NBA. I'm going to talk with Justin during the week. I think we're going to probably start focusing um, on, maybe on some awards, you know, looking at the regular season awards, giving our opinions of, of who we think right now, uh, maybe um, um, in, in the lead for those and who we think might win. Also going to focus on the um, Grizzlies game. Justin, uh, one thing I'll ask is, while it, the Grizzlies um, themselves, some things we're looking for we've talked about, but also an exciting week, Donovan Mitchell, and then the, the Hawks young core. I don't know how you feel about them, but I would say the Hawks are, are one of the more exciting teams in the NBA. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I wish that Jaron was healthy so we could see a Jaron Jackson-John Collins matchup. Um, John Collins is an absolute freak. Um, I'm not worried about Trey Young. We just unleash Javon Carter on him, and he's terrified of him. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I wish I could see a Jaron Jackson, uh, John Collins matchup. 
Um, maybe it happens, but it doesn't look like it's going to. But yeah, that's a, that's going to be a fun uh, a fun game to watch with those two guys. I, and I and I don't. We played the Hawks the second game of the year. I'm pretty positive that we did not get to see uh, John Collins that night, but also getting to see Kevin Huter. Um, that that'll be a fun. Well, Justin, um, hope that you ha- have a great weekend. I look forward to speaking with you next week. And um, like I say, thank you so much for joining us here on the Three and D Podcast. Y'all have a great night. We'll talk to you next week.